0: Um, Thank you all for being here and um, we're going to continue in our series about what we need and we've talked about needing God, the Spirit and the Father and the Son, um, needing each other and needing to take risks and today we're going to talk about how we need to remember. Um, I'm going to do something I don't normally do which is I'm going to tell you everything I'm going to tell you ahead of time which I hear is like A tried and true public speaking method, but one that I often resist. But today we're gonna talk about um, how uh, that we need to remember how to come together into God's presence. Um, Like uh, Josh said, (laughs) we're a little rusty, like, wow, this is weird, right? Like, it's wonderful. And um, I don't know if I'm the only one feeling a little bit socially awkward and like all I can talk about is the pandemic, like, wow, look at us, here we are in person. We used to not be because of the pandemic, and now we're together. So um, just like just like getting our, our feet under us again, we also need to remember what happened, and we need to process that, and we need to process that with God. There are a lot of voices out in the world that will um, gladly impose a narrative on us of what our life is and what's been going on about COVID or about anything else that's wonderful or difficult or just happening. And bringing our lives before God and unpacking that with him is um, just a really important part of following Jesus in the Christian life. We also need to remember who God is and that he's always good. And we need to remember why the world is this way, this mix that we have of good and bad, of pleasure and pain, of joy and sorrow. So we're going to Hopefully, talk about all of that today um, because it's a lot, and I don't want to keep us here forever. Um, I feel like we're gonna just kind of like pray our way through this sermon. So, kind of unusually, I'm gonna stop us a few times and say, "Let's pray about that," um, and then let's move on because I do feel like we just some of us have some work to do with God today. So, I'm gonna start us off by just praying about this about our coming together. You know, on Sundays when we when we all come here to gather together to seek God's presence. It's a holy and a special thing. It's talked about in the Bible, do not give up meeting together. And part of our coming together is so that we can remind ourselves and each other what it is that we're doing. So would you join me um, in prayer right now? Lord, we come before you and maybe we are burdened or distracted. Maybe we feel out of practice and awkward and like we're not sure what to say. And um, maybe we're like, Trying to hold back on like all of the hugs that we want to smother each other with, um, or maybe we're even feeling kind of sad, just at like it feels so good to be together, and like that almost makes it hurt how much we haven't been able to be together, and how much of our lives are different, or how much we've seen how like our loved ones, especially our kiddos, have been affected by just like such a strange year. God, I ask that you would um, meet us together as we've taken this time to set it aside to pay attention to you and to remember together and to be made holy by you, God, would you transform us during this time? Would you speak to us about the real things going on in our lives? Would you just be our God today, this morning, in this way? Would you let us perceive that just like in a special way this morning? We ask for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, Josh and I, actually, we both meet with the same spiritual director, who's another pastor in the vineyard. Her name is Sherry Harder. And um, getting spiritual direction is an interesting thing because you, like, meet on Zoom. (laughs) And she lives in Iowa, so we would meet on Zoom even if there was no pandemic. Um, But we meet at different times with her. And and one of the things that I've noticed is Josh and I are picking up some of the things that she says (laughs) when we talk to each other and uh and because there are some things that she says that are really interesting and like i don't often think of it that way so whenever i meet with her like once a month and we just talk for like an hour and pray a lot um she says isn't it so wonderful that you've set aside this hour for god and it's like such a weird lovely thing to say i don't usually think about it that way like i don't normally think to like i don't know like give my like i don't want to give myself credit for like oh look at me i've set aside time for god but, you know, it is kind of an interesting and a holy thing that we have all made the same decision this morning to say let's all leave our homes and our, maybe it's easier now to, like, like, we've all slept in or we've had plenty of cozy, like, I'm um, covers and <laughs> hiding from the world because there's, like, disease raging about us. But we all made the decision to, like, leave our comfy homes and come to this place and say, let's sing God's praise together, and let's read the Bible together, and let's, like, take time to consider who God is and what he has for us, and and think about how we can, you know, make ourselves um, more obedient to him, and I just, I think that's, like, such a special thing, and apart from Sherry, I'd never really thought to say, like, wow, this is really neat, but I just want to tell you all, like, I'm so grateful that you made this decision and it makes me making the decision so easy because it's really nice just to like be together with other people who are like-minded and pursuing God so um yeah so I said that's my there there's my preamble so God directed the people of Israel to take special steps to remember too um they didn't have a building like ours they lived a really long time ago um if we look back to um the book of Joshua um God directed the people of Israel to um like when something amazing happened to remember it which is kind of interesting like so if you remember the stories people of Israel they were all enslaved in Egypt and then there were a bunch of plagues and Moses did that whole like the staff thing let my people go Pharaoh and they crossed through the Red Sea which God parted the waters and everybody walked on dry land miraculously and once they were through and the bad guys were coming um, the Red Sea collapsed in on those guys and um, the the Israelites were saved. And then they wandered through a desert for 40 years, which is much longer than one year. And I sort of wonder if they didn't say to themselves, man, it's like time is so weird right now. It's like it's going really slow. You know, like isn't that what you've been saying this last year? Like time is just so strange. I bet wandering through the desert was like really strange. You know, like, it was like a big change in like just what like, the day-to-day of our life looks like. And um, then when they were done in the desert and they were going to enter into the promised land they had another body of water to cross and this was the Jordan River and Joshua was in charge now not Moses and the same thing happened God piled up the water in the Jordan so like the river ran off and like then kind of got stopped up with like an invisible dam and all the people walked across on dry land which as a mom I just think about that like if there was like a place that I needed to go with my kids and a huge river between here and there, like just the security of knowing that like me and my kids are going to walk through a miracle instead of me being worried if like we're strong enough swimmers or if our stuff is going to get lost or if I'm going to lose their little hands and somebody's going to drown. Like nobody drowned crossing that river, which So I think, like, not such a common experience for us today, but I think much more common in the ancient world. Like, people need to go somewhere, there's this barrier, and you have to take this big risk to get through there. And and God just took that away from them and said, I'll just make it totally safe for you. You can walk in faith and cross this river. So then this is what happens kind of at the end of that story. In the book of Joshua, um, in chapter 4, and we're just going to read the whole chapter. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at at the place where you stay the night. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God, which like this was where God's presence was, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed into the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they are to this day. I'm going to keep reading but I just want to note I love how this story is written because it's clearly written to be read aloud. So if like you like like your mind wandered for a second and you blanked out and you didn't know what the stones were like they keep telling you over and over again. <laughs> and so we're just going to keep telling the story again and again which helps us to remember. Now the priests who had carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over and as soon as all of them had crossed to the Ark of the Lord, and the priests came to the other side as the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000, and we, we mention those guys because like later they're going to live, actually they're going to cross back over to the other side of the Jordan because they want to live over there, but they're coming over to help with like the big fight that's coming. Um, about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at the flood stages before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. As Joshua set up at Gilgal, and of the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan, he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Let's pray. God, thank you for capturing this story for us in your holy book and sharing it with us and showing us your power and your love and the way that you care for your people. God, the same way that probably there were a lot of people that crossed over the Jordan who had only heard their parents tell the story about the Red Sea, but they hadn't seen it themselves, Lord, I believe that you want to show us signs and wonders and your miraculous mercy and grace, just like we've heard stories from people who've come before us, and we hear these stories by reading the Bible. Lord, I ask that you would be present here today, just like you were at the times when the Israelites were carrying around the Ark of the Covenant, and we are your temple, and we are your people, and I, I just sense that you long to connect deeply with us. So I just ask that you, would, that you would have your way this morning, Lord, that your will would be done in our midst, and that you would disciple us in our thoughts and in our hearts as we consider your word today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the people have gotten out of Egypt, and they crossed the Jordan, and they're picking up these stones, and they're going to remember um, I listened to a song recently. It had the lyrics, let my children tell their children that Jesus is enough for me. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I've am I'm, been really emotional lately about like God's love for us. Um, I do think that in, it may be difficult to relate to the people of Israel sometimes. Like their life in many ways does not look like mine. Like they've never touched a thermostat and they've never heard like the The dial-up tone on the modem, and they don't know what Netflix is, and like just, like, a lot of things that I experience on a daily basis that, like, they've never experienced, and and they've experienced a lot of things that, like, maybe in my worst, like, camping nightmare, I might imagine, (laughs) but, like, our lives are very different, but, you know, one thing that I note about these people at this point in the story is the thing that has not happened is... God has not like waved a magic wand and just fixed everything. So like they've, they've gotten away from the enslavers in Egypt and they've wandered through the desert and learned a lot of hard lessons about trusting God and dependence on him. And they've sinned and had to bear consequences for that sin. And now they're crossing over into the promised land. But it's not simple the way that they're going to get the promised land is they're going to fight for it in battles and wars, which honestly, like understanding like God that way, like our Old Testament God, our ancient God who directed men in battles and wars is like a little bit removed from my experience. But something that I do feel like really resonates with me is these guys are like just about done with this wander through the desert part, but the next part is still really complicated And if that doesn't capture how I feel about COVID right now, I just don't know what does. Like, vaccinations are going up, cases are going down, but, like, it's still complicated. My kids aren't vaccinated yet, and, you know, like, it's it's just, like, it's a weird thing. It's, like, I've got a lot of relief from, like, us, like, moving past it, but, like, not so much relief that, like, we're just done now, and... All of my social relationships feel very complex because I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know how my coworkers feel about it. Like, I just, I'm not quite sure, like, where are all of us as we're gonna kind of like jostle ourselves across this metaphorical Jordan River to a promised land that's like, like, ready for us to work for you know like there's just like still like a lot of complexity in this it was something that's never really occurred to me before like these mixed emotions or, or not even mixed just like feeling all of the feelings of like phew like across the Jordan promised land now we got to go fight the people in that city you know like this like that's like I don't know it just suddenly like strikes me as really intense as they set up these stones the Israelites are remembering what happened and they're processing that with God, and so must we do the same. Like, what happened in the last year, or the year plus, really? Like, we're getting into, like, years and months now. But, um, you know, and, and some of it is pandemic stuff, but then some of it is also just other stuff that happened to us. But we were, like, strangely isolated, and not processing that, like, in church, in person every Sunday, in small group, meeting with our friends, going out to dinners, like, just being able to chit-chat about all of the things that are going on in our lives. And I think that it's important that we take some time to do that. So, like, we've had, like, the quarantines and the lockdowns and wearing masks, but then also lots of changes to, like, our holidays and celebrations and our how we work or if we're working or where we're working. And um, I think probably we've experienced some fear and some loss. We can also recognize over the last year God's faithfulness, especially to our church. I have to say, like, at the beginning, Josh and I, we talked to the trustees, and um, I, I hope this doesn't come across as... Um, tooting my own horn, but we, like, said, oh, how about you guys don't pay us for a couple of months because we don't know what's about to happen, you know, and, like, we don't want the church just to be focused on money, money, money all the time, but, like, there are just, like, the realities of, like, the mortgage comes every month, the light bill comes every month, like, there are bills to pay, and we were a little worried about that, and so we said, no, no, let's let's just, we'll take a pause, (laughs) And, um, and then after a couple of months, it really seemed like, man, like, everybody's giving stayed really steady and faithful, and um, because our bills were lower, we had more to give, and we've been able to save more this year. So like in kind of this like upside down way, like our church, financially at least, has really flourished during this year to the point that we're able to pay Josh full- time starting in June. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think this is going to be a fun time for our church where we just are able to, like, use some of these resources to maybe, like, stretch our muscles a little bit, do a little more than, um, than, we'll, certainly than we've been able to do in the last year while we're all in our homes live streaming. The next bit really isn't simple, though. Like, many people close to us have, um, have lost someone. Like, our church, um, I think, has been unscathed. Like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I know Josh was getting advice on, like, how do you do a funeral over Zoom? And and how do you, you know, you you have to let, like, a few people come in masks, and then everybody else only has to, like, dial in from their computers. And and we didn't know if we were going to need to do a bunch of those. And in this church, and I know we're a small community, but we really didn't, and we have been so blessed by the grace of the Lord, and I know some of us got COVID, and that was scary and painful, and just, like, difficult, but all of us got through it, and all of our babies got through it, and our (laughs) precious treasures, who are more vulnerable than the average bear, got through it, and this has been, I think, a thing that we need to remember and reflect on these blessings and the next bit isn't going to be super simple, um, but just like the people of Israel, I think that um, we're going we're gonna, to like depend on God as we go through this next part. Josh kind of mentioned this, the trustees are meeting tonight, and, um, and you can, if you don't feel comfortable talking to me or Josh about how you feel about masks, you can also talk to um, Gerilyn and Anthony and Lacey about it. Um, they're not going to be able to give you an answer like right in that conversation because we kind of distribute these decisions like we kind of will have a little vote you know but um, but they definitely will be able to advocate for you and share your thoughts and feelings as we figure out like how do we um, loosen up in keeping with the like recommendations but then also how do we keep especially like our babies who can't wear masks safe and our little kids who can't get vaccines yet Um, and I just I think that like There's like an an interesting thing that is happening to me in terms of the dependence that I've learned on the dependence on God that I've learned. Um, I need to remember (laughs) that I'm dependent on God because the illusion of how much control I have over my life, like it's it's like booting up again, like it's like coming back, you know. Like I've had like a bunch of like I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm really scared and. And, and I'm kind of like, a, I'm a little more on like the neurotic side of stable or neurotic. And so I've definitely like imagined the worst. At the beginning of this, I was like really going to some dark places. And now I'm kind of like, I think maybe we're all going to be okay, you know? So it's like I kind of think of like the... Um, Like when the space shuttle is getting ready to launch and like all the different little stations in my brains are just like all like giving their little check, you know what I mean? So like illusion of perfect health, check. And um, confidence in my immune system, check. (laughs) Dismissive of the fragility of life, loading, loading, check, all systems go, (laughs) like, I'm back to a place of independence and self-sufficiency, and I'm fine, all of this is fine, I don't have any any feelings that I need to deal with or anything like that. Um, So, you know, I think that, like, at the beginning of the pandemic, when I honestly was, like, praying on a fairly regular basis, like, asking God not to leave my children orphaned at the end of all of this, um, when I was trying to decide at that point between, like, taking time in prayer, or vegging out to Netflix, like, prayer was starting to win a little bit more in that battle, and already I feel like the pull of Netflix, I'm like, oh, we're good, right, God? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get some entertainment for myself. Like, I I feel it already just, like, slipping away. I forget so quickly about how I depend, how I need to depend on God. So as we think about what has happened and what lessons we can take from it and what are things that we've learned that we want to be a part of our lives and a part of ourselves as we go forward, um, I just want us to take a moment to pray together. So would you pray with me? Lord, this has been a difficult time, and um, many of us have experienced a range of negative emotions. Fear and insecurity, not knowing what's going to come next, maybe pain or illness, isolation certainly worry about our friends and loved ones and children. Lord, would you help us unpack all of that? Would you help us to reflect on what's happened and what we believe about it? Would you help us to identify the new things that are true, that we've come to understand and believe? And Lord, would you help us to identify and reject the lies that might be sneaking in during this transition too? God, you are our true north. You are our anchor just ask that you would keep our hearts close to you and that as, as we find ourselves with like residual feelings or entering into this new kind of complicated time, Lord, I just ask that you would be near and that we would know that and that you would just shout that invitation to us in a way that we can really hear it, that we can come to you with all of the things that are difficult, past things, future things, all of our things, Lord, we just we need to remember what happened. We need to remember your faithfulness and your steadfastness. We need to learn how we've do, we need to remember how we've learned to depend on you so that we can continue to be that way. And we ask all this in Jesus name. Amen. So finally I say we need to remember who God is. And God is good. And it gets harder to remember that God is good when times are bad. We have to be wise if we're going to manage not to conflate the two like the simplistic idea is that too often is the road that my mind walks along which is like God like times are good God is good times are bad God is bad good what is God doing here like this feels bad I don't know like I start to get a little like "Eh, I'm not sure about all of this like it's important that God's goodness is not tied to the circumstances in our lives but we have to fight to remember that So we talked last week about how our world has kind of been turned upside down, Um, not just like the pandemic turned our world upside down, but like, like life, like starting in Genesis. God created a good world full of abundance and joy and diversity and even like meaningful creative work and deep, like healthy relationships. This is the world that God made But this wasn't a world filled with robots. God included our free will. And he built that in. And let's think about that for a second, why that's important. A lot of times I talk about free will in the context of a romantic relationship, so I'll lay off and Let's talk about friends for a minute. Let's imagine that there were 100 people on the earth, and 99 of them, you're one of them, and the other 99 of them are all your friend because... um, you're the only person that they can be friends with. Like, that's it. Like, well, there's just 100 of us. And, and maybe, maybe you've like cast a magic spell, or you've given them a weird drug. And against their will, or regardless of their will, they're all your friend. But they think you're great. They vote you the prom king or the prom queen every time there's a prom. And they're always like giving you gifts. And they're always asking how your day is and what's going on. And they're always very eager to please, because these are like good friends. Because there's only 100 of us, and something has happened where they don't have the ability to choose anymore. How satisfying would this feel to us, really? Like, probably like a couple times in, that like prom queen crown would be a little bit like, yeah, thanks, guys, sure. (laughs) You know? I think it might lose some of its allure. Can you tell I wasn't a prom queen? So I'm like, that's the height, right? That's the height. but like if our friends were like drugged into liking us or tricked into liking us or somehow like their bodies were invaded by aliens and forced to like us I, like my analogy is this is better with the romance thing cuz i'm like what if you were the only okay i'm going to go back to the romance thing it's just better i tried to get away from it but it's just better let's imagine that you're the only men you're the only man on the planet <laughs> or women you're the only woman on the planet and all the guys want to marry you all the girls want to marry you Does that mean anything? Like, you're the only one. (laughs) Like, come on. But your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend, they chose you. There were lots of people that they could choose. And they picked you. And, like, being able to make those decisions, like, we can't love if we don't have a choice. We can't be a friend if we're coerced into it. Like, we have to be able to choose the bad thing, in order for it to mean anything when we choose the good thing. And God knows that. And he wasn't willing to settle for a bunch of robots. He wanted us, all of us. He wanted our choices, good and bad, because he loves us and because he is good. So Satan saw this as a weakness to exploit, our ability to make a choice. So he tempted Adam and Eve to seek more power and independence, which every time I read that story, I just think like, if I was there... I don't know if I would have needed the help. Like, I think I might have just gone and like eaten from that tree all on my own. Like, I like tasty things. Tell me I can't do something. It, it does kind of make me want to do the thing. But, um, but I think you know, Satan like saw this and he's like facilitating sin, right? And so humans exercising our free will for our unselfish gain. This broke our perfect relationship with God and broke our perfect relationship with each other, and it broke the perfect world that God had given us. So at this point in the story, I'm sort of reminded of the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, Spoiler alert, it's been out for several decades, so if you haven't read it, you should read it. And um, at the end, so there's like a bad witch, and it's allegorical, so one-to-one. So the witch represents Satan, and then there's a lion named Aslan, and that's Jesus. And the witch kills the lion. The lion kind of allows himself to be killed by the witch. And then she leaves, all excited, that like she won the day, and then the lion comes back to life, just like Jesus And he's explaining all this to his children who are his little, like they represent us in the story, right? Like they're just learning what's going on. And he says, there's a deeper magic, an older magic that the witch didn't know about. And I just think about that so often, like what an incredible trick. (laughs) Like I think Satan really thought he was getting away with something. Like, yes, I'm going to make them sin and then that's going to box God in. Like that's it. But God's love is not limited by sin. God's love is not limited by evil. It can't be boxed in by bad things. God can love us not only in spite of our broken world, he can love us through our broken world. God's love for us, he loves us not just in spite of our own personal brokenness, he can love us through our, our personal brokenness. Satan, I think, is like this bumbling bad guy who like, steals the briefcase full of money and runs off with it only to discover when he gets it open that there was no money in the briefcase to begin with. But the trick here is is that we have to remember that there's no money in the briefcase, too. We have to remember that. So what do I mean? Like, there are shows like um, Lost or Once Upon a Time. Maybe you can think of another show where this happens where it's like at the start, there's kind of like a good guy and a bad guy. And then like, after things go along a little bit, like, it's like, oh, now the bad guy's the good guy, and there's a the new bad guy. Oh, now now the bad guy, the original bad guy, who's the good guy, is the bad guy. Again. Oh, no, we thought the good guy became a bad guy, but they're actually being controlled by a different bad guy. And so there's just like, a lot of, like, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? It keeps things real interesting. Very helpful as you process relationships with, like, your friends and people you work with and stuff. Like, if, there's, if you have a bad guy in your life, maybe they'll be redeemed. Maybe the evil queen will become the good guy, and won't that be great? Not so helpful when we're talking about God. We have to never get confused about who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Um, Satan's goal is to convince us that God is ultimately the bad guy, and then that's the whole ball game. if we fall for that trick because that lie will ruin us. We have to remember that God's love is not the same as an easy, safe, comfortable, or wealthy life. And maybe we experience those things sometimes. Maybe some of us have even been lucky enough to experience all of those things most of the time. But that's not the same as God's love because if we buy into that, then we start to get confused about what God's love is when we don't experience those things. I caught a clip recently of a documentary about minimalism. And there was a professor who was talking about just the buying spree that Americans started going on in like the mid-90s, and like now is our new normal. We just like buy stuff all the time. And she said, you know, when it comes to like the average salary in the United States, like people are now aspiring to like more than $100,000, like a six-figure salary, because that's presented as normal on television shows and in movies. But it's not normal. Average salary in the United States is actually less than a third of that. But here we all are thinking, I'm a failure or I don't have enough. I need more. Maybe I have to step on somebody at work to get there because this is the thing that I want. And even when I find myself contented, I find there's plenty of help out in the world to make me want more, to make me think I need to have it better. But God's love is not a six-figure salary. And the danger of letting that idea rent a room in my brain is that when we find ourselves earning less than that, then this gives birth to the lie that God doesn't love me, or maybe even worse, that God isn't good. God's love is not the promise of perfect health or beauty. God's love does not ensure conflict-free relationships. God's love is not, and this one's hard for me, God's love is not a guarantee that my children will not suffer. It's not a guarantee that my kids will be safe. And we can't forget this because if we don't remember, then Satan has an end to cultivate this lie that God doesn't love us or even that God isn't good. So what is God's love? How do we know that God is good? When we're facing difficulty or tragedy or trauma, when we're unpacking the bags after something bad happened and and finding that we have a lot of dark emotions in there, we have to remember. We have to remember that our God created a good world we have to remind each other, coming places like here or a small group, or getting together with our friends, and we have to remember that God didn't settle for robots, and that had real consequences, and he signed up for those anyway. He knew what was coming, and he didn't hold back because he wants our hearts. We have to remember that after we betrayed God in the Garden of Eden, that He made a plan and he chose a family, and he nurtured this family tree through which he could reveal himself again and again as our king and our advocate and our friend. We have to remember that God gave us his son and that when we portrayed Jesus, even to his death, that God, not in spite of his son's death, but through his son's death, made a way for us to be redeemed and washed us clean from all of our sin and restored us to a right relationship with him. We have to remember that God is at work redeeming the world and the best of all, he's invited us to be a part of that work. So let us follow him in that faithfulness and commit ourselves to that. Like in Job chapter 13, verse 15, the KJV says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. In the English standard version, it's though he slay me, I will hope in him. Let us not be fair weather Christians using God for blessings and then forgetting goodness when times get tough. If I never make a six-figure salary, if I never lose the extra weight, and that one's real for me, if I never... Um, get to have a marriage, or if my marriage falls apart and my spouse leaves, if I watch my kids struggle or get hurt and I can't protect them from everything, if all of my loved ones die and I'm completely alone, the truth that I can hold on to, that I can remember, is that God is good. The Bible says we seek a narrow gate, and I have often found that sorrow steers me toward it even better than my blessings. God can use it all. We've gotten ourselves into this messy world and he's just waded into this mess to love us. The psalmist tells us, and Phil chose a song that actually started with these same lyrics from Psalm 139 as well, that God thinks about you all the time. He knows everything about you. When you wake up and when you fall asleep and when you sit down and when you stand up, when you breathe and when you blink, he's thinking of you and he's with you and he's for you, and he loves you. We need to remember. So would you stand? Let's pray together. God, would you help us remember your goodness? Would you help us remember who you are? And when the world doesn't reflect your goodness, would you help us remember why that is? Would you help us keep straight who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Lord, I just ask that, as we have time of reflection and even as we have ministry time today, that you would just come in with the truth and that you would bless us and heal us and that you'd set us on the right road. God, I got a picture earlier in worship of like if we're walking on a path following you, whether we're laughing, we walk on this path, or if we're crying, we keep walking on the path because the goal is to get to where you are and stopping or turning aside isn't going to help us at all so lord i just ask that you would carry us through these next weeks and months the complex time and the wonderful times and the times that are difficult and there's more going on in our lives than just covid and i don't know what everyone else is facing god i just ask that you would show yourself faithful and steadfast and and let us experience that we ask for all this in jesus name so we're going to have ministry time right now. Phil's going to come and play another song we can sing. And if anything struck you today, whether it's like, wow, I'm out of practice feeling comfortable being here to sing praises to